Bonjour, mes amis! It's keep calm and call if our cheese. It's keep calm and call if flower. She's le fromage, le fromage. Keep calm and cauliflower. Yes, welcome along to the program, the show, the podcast, the little portal of whimsy and nostalgia that we like to call Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese, episode number 26. You're very welcome to it. And, um,. Some of the things that we may or may not be talking about today on the podcast. Um, what's it like to drive James Bond's Aston Martin? Uh, an article that I was reading in the week. Wind, rain and hail helped Welsh rebels defeat the king. Leather trousers, raunchy and now comfy too. Barbara Emil's memoir, A Fabulous Tale of Sex, Spite and High Society. Join the dots for a glimpse of the almighty. And Paris's student... Degolotage offends the home of nudes. And uh, the Germans, the German police sacked Belau, the Rottweiler, for being too friendly. And maybe we'll be having a, a quick peek at uh, hard kombucha, one for our, uh, one for our millennial uh, friends out there. Hard kombucha, heard of hard lemonade. So hard fermented cabbage, is that what it is? Uh, I don't know about that. Uh, anyway, it's uh, Mr. Mellow Fruitfulness. The autumn has arrived. It feels, still feels like summer in many parts. <clears throat> it's very, very smoky. It, it, it's, almost, uh, it's almost like somebody's been smoking a thousand cohibas. But of course, it's a sad, sad tale of all those... Uh, lovely forests being burned in California and in parts of Colorado, Oregon and Washington. So it is tough to breathe uh, out here. So uh, a face mask is necessary for so many reasons at the moment. Um, many of you are asking about little baby Maggie the Corgi. Uh, had to take her in to do some shots this morning. Those teeth are still like razor blades uh, and she doesn't like shots. And she's put three pounds on in two weeks. Is that a lot? I don't know. Am I feeding the Corgi too much? A diet of venison sausages and uh, blood sausage and a full English breakfast. I don't know about that. Um, so we have some of our regular features as well. We have um, we have some arrows. We have some um, scallywag darts. Uh, we also uh, uh, have a little bit of uh, medieval Tinder. Uh, we have a new feature, Elegmatic English Eccentrics, uh, which will be... Uh, digging and delving and exploring a little bit later on in the podcast. But welcome along to the program. It's uh, so lovely to have you here. I feel your presence. Can you just please, please, please put on some trousers? I, I, I do, you know, no commando here. It's a family show. So please, please, please put on uh, some trousers and um, make sure the zipper is up as well. Thanks very much. A uh, little bit of a public health warning there. So many people ask Chappie, British butler, butler of Longleterre, what's it like to drive James Bond's Aston Martin? Well, I don't know specifically. I have been an Aston Martin in the passenger seat, and my extra-long torso was a little bit uh, 
a little bit too long to fit in the Aston Martin. I nearly cracked my neck trying to get in. Um, as I said before, I'm a very odd shape, six foot two, incredibly long torso, but very short legs. So my feet probably wouldn't be able to reach the pedals anyway. So I couldn't do a Flintstone type of thing. Um, but anyway, so Gigi Dentra was right to wince as she rode alongside Daniel Craig in the Aston Martin in Skyfall. It's not very comfortable, is it, she asked, prompting James Bond to ask if she was going to complain the whole way. This is the exchange that buyers of the million recreation of the 1964 Aston Martin DB5 likely to have in the most expensive toys ever uh, produced. On command, the car emits smoke and jets of oil out of the back, raises a bullet-resistant shield, rotates its number plates and reveals twin mock-up .303 Browning machine guns that recoil to the sound of the ones used in Goldfinger. The only significant gadget admitted, admitted is the ejector seat. Ejector seat? You're joking. Um, Paul Spires, the president of Aston Martin Works, said Bond would have struggled to use it. We didn't look at it. The hole isn't in, in the roof isn't large enough. Well, I mean, you're not trying to expel Henry VIII out of the roof. I don't know, maybe anybody above a 36-inch waist. I'd probably get stuck and need firemen to remove me from the uh, roof of the Aston Martin. Um, this is perhaps just as well. On a test drive, I accidentally knocked open the button guard a dozen times on the gear stick, leading me to wonder if Bond ever cut his skin on the metal spring. Uh, Aston Martin uh, was also... Uh, chari of installing wheel-mounted tire shredders, which are ex uh, included in the boot as a bit of jewelry, but cannot be deployed. Mr. Spires assures buyers that the hydraulic rams would work, and the bullet shield is more than just window dressing. It will stop up to a .303 round, depending on the distance. The oil slick dispensers project water, but the smoke emitters are far more effective than in the film. Uh, the sat-nav system, if anything, too authentic. Aston Martin installed a modern one to allow the test drivers to navigate the 50 miles from its factory in Newport Pagnell to Stoke Park Golf Club near Slough. That's where Bond played Goldfinger in a game of golf. The car is a last word in merchandise for the Bond films, while being an authentic recreation of the 1960s sports car. Even drivers small enough not to scuff their head on the ceiling, as exactly my point, will wonder whether Bond's overnight drive from London to the Highlands and Skyfall was the most, more than his most heroic act ever. The DB5 does return in November uh, with a twin multi-barrel guns in No Time to Die. Mr. Spires said the main problem with replicating the Goldfinger model was inserting gadgets without ruining the car. He said that despite M's complaints about comfort, the DB5 was about excitement. Compared to a chauffeur-driven Range Rover, it probably does feel uncomfortable. Well, I mean, that's the whole thing. It's a tight fit for a start. And I don't know if the seats are particularly comfortable uh, as well. But you know what? I would drive from London up to Scotland in the DB5, given half a chance. So what do you ladies and mantelpieces think of leather trousers? Leather trousers are traditionally clingy, spray-on leggy things that you think your camel toe in lycra leggings is bad, you ain't seen nothing yet. Leather leggings will make your bum look fan bloomin' fantastic, um, men and women, ladies and gentlemen, but they will also make your knees look semi-pornographic. Leather trousers are honk-honk, wooga-wooga, sex on legs. Um, many people's partners are obsessed with leather trousers, the point that they risk buying um, leather trousers uh, and making them, ooh, so very, very tight. 
Um, so, but apparently the new leather trousers are unrecognizable from the old. They're slim fitting varieties, but they're now thick enough to preserve your modesty and uh, also disappoint the knee fetishists. Now, I don't know. I, I have at one point during university and college, I did slip on a pair of leather trousers. Um, now, it, it, it really does not leave anything to the imagination. Uh, the crown jewels are on show. It could be the Tower of London, let me put it that way. That's how on show the crown jewels were. Um, but they, 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 do, they do have a sort of like a, um, I don't know, there's a little bit of naughtiness about it. And um, they, you know, they do, do make one look slimmer. Now, the ones I had on were basically like a corset. And I sung Robbie Williams, let me entertain you, uh, with these leather trousers on um, to a crowd of probably 500 people. So I, I think it's about time, as a 43-year-old butler, I need to break them out again. You know, when I'm out swinging the town again, when we have crowds out and about again, I think uh, the leather trousers could could come back into, uh, into Chappie's wardrobe again. So um, I'm going to have a dig around, maybe go to a thrift store. Uh, I don't know if leather trousers secondhand are very hygienic, but that's something to think about anyway. So I do like a good astrological story. Uh, astrologic, astronomical story, even. <laughs> Join the dots for a glimpse of the Almighty. Our ancestors once saw the faces of gods and the stars joining dots in the heavens to create a celestial pantheon. The connection of these cosmetic patterns with religious experience may be more than mere coincidence. A study has found that the greater somebody's skill at subconscious pattern recognition, the more religious they are likely to be. In the search for order amid chaos, the researchers suggest our brain seeks out God. There's a notion of being religious makes you see the world differently, says Adam Green from Georgetown University. He and his colleagues wanted to see if the reverse was true. Possibly that might be the way you see the world makes you more or less religious. The study published in Nature Communication looked at how a measure of implicit pattern recognition interacts with belief. All higher animals have some level of pattern recognition occurring below the level's conscious thought. A bear might have a gut feeling that it's going to find a salmon in this part of the stream at this time of day. Or you might have a gut feeling about something neither of you would be able to say. Sometimes, as with salmon fishing, it might be useful. Green said it might also lead people to other uh, intonations. People might see there's an order to what's going on. They might think there's an order to the universe. Your gut is right about that. That would bias people more towards aligning themselves with narratives and things that are happening for a reason. Um, so I, I wonder if I wonder if that that's you know what I the issue that I have with my um, with my sort of worship of cheese. Um, I'm wondering if the, the you know the smell creates a sort of um, a nasal uh, dot to dot that leads me almost Hansel and Gretel style to some of the most stinkiest cheeses at the supermarket. I think it's entirely possible that this huge British honker nose leads me to my um, fantasy food, which is cheese, and I think it is. I think it creates a nasal dot to dot and leads me to all sorts of unctuous and delicious stinky cheeses. A Paris student's degolatage offends the home of nudes. A Paris student has received profuse apologies from the Musée d'Orsay after guards denied her entry into the temple of the 19th century art 
Museum because her dress showed a little bit too much of her bosom. The incident at the home of some of France's most famous nude works earned rapid online celebrity for the student known Jean. She posted a photograph of herself in the otherwise demure dress just before the incident. A female employee um, stopped Jean at the entrance and stared at her uh, heaving cleavage before she had a chance to show a ticket. Oh no, this is not going to be possible. That is not allowed. That is not acceptable. The uh, student was told security guards confirmed that she had broke the dress rules. At no time does anyone say my cleavage is a problem, but they were manifestly staring at my breasts. A crowd gathered. I was ashamed at the feeling that everybody was looking at my breasts. I uh, was reduced to my breasts. Uh, I was a woman whom they were sexualizing. Um, she agreed to put on a jacket and went to admire the paintings of naked women and sculptures of other naked women littered all around the museum. I do feel the same way when I wear bustier and show off the moobs. Now, I don't know if, if, it's, if it's the moobs that are causing the fence or the excessive hair covering the moobs. It could be that as well. But anyway, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad they've apologized to this young woman uh, because she uh, because that's all that she deserves. But next time, I don't think I'm going to wear any cleavage-bearing shirts uh, when I go to the Louvre. A German police dog has been retired at the start of his career because he was deemed to be too sweet-natured for crime-fighting. Despite having reared almost from birth an experienced handler and growing into an absolute unit of ripping canine muscle, Baloo the Rottweiler failed his exams for active service on account of his gentle temperament. Usually police uh, first acquire dogs when they're about the ages of one to three, and the suitable candidates have become harder to find in recent years. The force in Bremerhaven, a port in the North Sea coast, decided instead to buy Buller when he was an eight-week-old puppy and raise it himself. The dog regularly appeared on Instagram with his handler, Andre Monta, along with the motivational messages, I want to grow up, no pain, no gain. This was a novelty for everybody involved, said the Bremerhaven police in a statement. Our puppy program is based on the assumption that if the dog gets used to future handler, then it'll be only a few weeks old and gets its first lessons at an early stage. It's more likely to possible to train it up to be a good service dog. But sadly, we must also be mindful of the risks a puppy may choose may not be able to pass the exams. It's not clear what these exams involved. But uh, if uh, Bellew fell short on several points, within a few months, he developed from a cute puppy to an absolute unit. But despite constant supervision, all the efforts of our experienced dog handler, he unfortunately did not succeed in the training. He's been placed in a loving home with a civilian family and he says to now be thriving. So I wonder, I wonder if he, you know, licking somebody to death or or um or uh, you know maybe instead of attacking criminals he might spoon them instead along those lines i think it's absolutely fantastic now i've got three uh, dogs that i cannot get to uh, agree into a new pack unit so they uh, are slightly vicious to each other we've got jack who's missing uh, many teeth at the age of 13 but he's still a, a vicious uh, little bugger uh, george is the princess of the group uh, but she doesn't like corgi puppies jumping in her face and does like to bear her teeth now and again. And then you have the rascalist, naughty Maggie the corgi. Uh, I think all of them could probably um, uh, be a good fit in the Bremerhaven police. Maybe I'll give them a call and they could do that in their spare time to get out, get out some of their aggression on hardened criminals rather than their father. 
So I'm sort of getting my uh, introduction as a, as a very aging uh, Gen Xer, the hard kombucha. So not really heard of kombucha, I've seen it around, uh, wondering if it's a type of like uh, hot yoga or maybe something you see in the Kama Sutra. Uh, no, uh, it's a hot uh, drink that yogis used to drink. It's a fermented drink made of black and green tea. Um, it's also a great source of probiotics, antioxidants, vitamins and minerals. Uh, now you can actually drink it as a cocktail as well as after meditation. It comes in a frozen form, almost like a uh, margarita. Um, and it's uh, the latest uh, marketing ploy for low-calorie, healthy alcoholic drinks, like hard seltzer and sparkling water with vodka in it. Um, now, I, I, I don't know, I'm not too sure about the, the fermented kombucha as a, uh, as, a, as a cocktail option, I have to say. I don't think I could ever drink kombucha on a date. I think uh, alcohol, excess alcohol and kombucha, the fermented uh, that it does to the intestine uh, equals severe um, Montezuma revenge. I'm just wondering if, um, you know, for maybe some of our friends with IBS who haven't been solved uh, or have, haven't had it cured from uh, eating turmeric every morning, a spoonful of turmeric, can we invent maybe a portable retractable plunger? Um, you know, you could have it strapped to your like trouser leg or inside your trouser leg, and then if you have any issues, um, uh, you know, with the with the, with the, with the tum tum uh, on a date, and uh, it causes blockage at somebody's house, like similar to a long cane poly, then you have a plunger ready to go, it's strapped to the leg, discreetly. I mean, it's not going to. I, I don't think it's going to cause any offence, but you could pull that out. Um, you know, again up periscope so to speak and then plunge uh, the uh, the uh, the items that need to be plunged it could be a way forward but i don't think kombucha is going to be something that i'm going to try on any dates uh, in the near future i mean one of my favorite topics of all is really stoned animals now i do give jack uh, cbd oil which i think is great for dogs but a wild mouse has passed out after chewing on a canadian man's crop of cannabis I've caught this little pothead taking leaves off my plant and eating them until he passes out, says Colin Sullivan from New Brunswick in Canada, where growing amounts of cannabis is legal. Sullivan cared for the stoned rodent and weed him off the substance before releasing him back uh, into the wild. It sort of makes me think of, you know, um, uh, maybe mouse, mouse or rodents getting the sort of munchies. And it makes me think of this uh, rather uh, amusing song that I learned as a child. Uh, Nacho Chips lived in a windmill in old Amsterdam, a windmill with a mouse in, and he wasn't smoking. He sang every morning, how lucky I am, stoned in a windmill in old Amsterdam. I saw a Cheeto, where? There on the stair, where on the stair, right there, a little, mun little munchy with cheese on. Well, I declare, going crunchy to crunch on the stair. Oh yeah, this mask got rather lonesome. He took to Taco Bell, a nacho tray with stone mice in. It's hardly surprising. She sang every morning, how lucky I am. Stoned in a windmill in old Amsterdam. I saw a cheese it Where? There on the stair. Where on the stair? That there, a stoned mouse with clogs on. Well, I declare, going clip-clippity-clop on the stair. Yes, we have our new feature. 
enigmatic, English, eccentrics. The UK may be a small country, but it seems to be have more true eccentrics than many larger ones. An old aristocracy supplied many of the most bizarre ones, but to have a really odd lifestyle, you require a large personal fortune and the arrogance to ignore the reactions of your fellow countrymen. For example, William John Cavendish Scott Bentick, the fifth Duke of Portland, was a very shy man, didn't like meeting people and banned them from his home in Welbeck Abbey in Nottinghamshire. He went stem one step further and decided to live underground. He built a series of subterranean rooms, including an underground ballroom and a billiard room so big he could house a dozen billiard tables. These rooms and various others were connected by about 15 miles of tunnels. One tunnel a mile and a quarter long connected uh, the coach house to the workshop railway station. This made it house uh, made impossible to him to travel in a blacked out carriage to the state. This made it possible for him to travel in a blacked out carriage to the station, where his carriage was then loaded onto the railway truck. When he reached his London home in Cavendish Square, his servants were sent away as he climbed from his coach and rushed to the privacy of his study. And we have one more, Lord Rockerbury decided that he would like to spend all of his life near the water. He spent hours in the sea off Kent beaches and his servants often had to drag him out to dry land unconscious. As he got older at his home in Mount Morris near Hythe, he built a vast tank of glass, glass top filled with water. He spent a great deal of time floating in the water. He grew the most enormous beard so long that it hung down to his waist and spread on the surface of the water. All of his meals were taken in his pool to the embarrassment of his family. His obsession with the water was so great that he had drinking fountains installed wherever he, wherever he could drink and drank great quantities every day. He lived to be 88 and it was a good advertisement for drinking water every day. Yes, yeah, so moving on from uh, English eccentrics to our uh, little uh, tincture tinder, medieval tinder game here. Um, we decide uh, which of these rather odd and very uh, eccentric monarchs um, is the axe going to fall upon the head or uh, are they going to get a free escape and a love potion get away scot-free in a medieval game of tinder so we have Friedrich Wilhelm of Prussia today um, Friedrich Wilhelm enjoyed a peaceful tenure as king um, and is most remembered today for his enduring affection for the military he would frequently drill his army units himself and enjoyed having them march before him, even when he was sick and confined to bed. An ascetic man who was known to enjoy sleeping in the soldiers' barracks, he made it his own personal goal to see the Prussian army because it's the most glorious in all of Europe. This obsession uh, even extended to his own family. He wished to make his son Friedrich into a good soldier and had the boy awoken every morning with the firing of a cannon. He also gave Friedrich a small arsenal and a complement of child soldiers to command and had the boy beaten whenever he failed to perform well in training. Not surprisingly, Friedrich eventually tried to run away but was captured and briefly imprisoned by his father. Oh my gosh. And some of the, some of the strangest behaviour, the king's strangest behaviour, was undoubtedly his obsession with creating the Potsdam Giants. Sounds like an uh, NFL football team. And coming up, the Potsdam Giants! 
uh, special army regiment comprised of only the tallest and strongest soldiers. The giants were a pet project of Friedrich Wilhelm, and he went about recruiting them by any means necessary. Mercenaries were hired by one Irish soldier, uh, some of them stood seven foot tall, and neighbouring kingdoms were known to send the Prussians, their tallest fighters, as a means of encouraging friendly diplomatic relations. In his efforts to gather as many suitable recruits as possible, the cutoff was six foot two, very tall for the era, Friedrich Wilhelm even resorted to ordering that all tall young boys be conscripted to the unit, and tall men and women were encouraged to have kids together. Oh my gosh. Anyway, so we have Friedrich Wilhelm is our, uh, is our contestant on Tingsha Tinder. Um, now, I, you know, I think, I think by all accounts, he, um, by all accounts, he had a pretty peaceful tenure. So I don't think that he, um, he suffered, uh, suffered the fall of the axe, so to speak. So I don't think it was any, uh, any sort of crushing axe falling uh, on, uh, on Wilhelm this week. Um, so, you know, we, we, we haven't got, uh, you know, any, any nasty uh, skull-crushing uh, skull uh, moments from our, uh, from our friend um, Wilhelm this week. So definitely know that. Uh, well, that's the old uh, noggin falling off onto the block there. Um, yeah, I think he may, he, he may have survived with a trumpet fanfare. That's probably very apt, actually, with his... Uh, with his um with his building his own army there was there was none of the uh none of the, none of the rumpy pumpy going on so i think uh, this is wilhelm gets the uh, gets the fanfare for building a military army and having his uh, well-trained uh, militaristic son take over from him and that is tincture tender for this week on keep calm and cauliflower cheese Hello there, love. It's uh, Scallywag Darts. Uh, yeah, so welcome along. We have Scallywag Darts. So we take the most heinous crimes, headline crimes of the week, and we decide if it's going to be missing the board, triple 20, bullseye, or Chappie's special prize. Um, so I think um, maybe missing the board this week, but there's so many of these stories. A woman has people in stitches after receiving an X-rated aubergine in a vegetable box. Well, I have to say my dad, my daddy, um, he, he did um, show me, whilst I was back in the UK last December, a rather large, uh, very well-hung carrot. Uh, it was two legs, and the, uh, and the uh, meat and two veg was certainly between the uh, legs on the carrot there. That's what I have to say about that. Um, I mean, we could start growing vegetables and marketing them as no-meat vegan sex toys. So I think, uh, yeah, growing veg, no-meat vegan sex toys. So that one's missing the board this week. Uh, I think we have uh, Chappie's Triple uh, Twenty. Um, couple spend two thousand pounds on cardboard cutouts of their friends so they can attend a wedding. I've always uh, heard about a wooden audience, but they're definitely a bunch of stiffs. Uh, it could be dangerous though. You could you could get a nasty like paper cuts, death by a thousand cardboard cuts. It would be absolutely uh, absolutely awful. So that's our Triple Twenty for this week. And then uh, I think our, uh, our, uh, our definitely our, our bullseye uh, of the week this week is um, is uh, is coronavirus. Um, we have a coronavirus uh, j- Japanese sushi delivery guy. A sushi restaurant in central Japan is trying to boot sluggish demand during the coronavirus pandemic by sending shirtless bodybuilders to deliver foods to its customers. 
the service dub delivery macho delivery macho it's like unchef was established by the 41 year old Imashushi chef mansuri uh, also was a competition uh, bodybuilder as well so i think that's uh, definitely our uh, our bullseye this week uh, it sort of uh, brings a whole new meaning to a dragon roll in one's pants. Uh, we could uh, uh, be, have to be very careful of any stray wasabi. Um, it could uh, you could fire a walk up in the street. This is my chappy sort of invention of the week. Let's fire up a walk in the street for street side dining, socially distanced, with extra long tongs, keeping everything hygienic. I think that's what we could do. We could do um, we could do sushi in the street in a walk. Extra long tongs, socially distanced. I think that would be absolutely, uh, absolutely fantastic. What you think? And uh, anyway, so we have Chappie's special prize is um, Florida City repels 13-year-old ban on saggy pants after cricket uh, after critics said it was uh, it was possibly racist. Um, I think you should be allowed to conduct a citizen's arrest for a bad ass crack. Um, Complete coverage of, uh, of Grand Canyon arse cracks should be obligatory. Um, you could actually uh, play a little game of top trump arse cracks. Uh, three bad ones in a row and uh, you get a free onesie to cover everything and everybody's indiscretions. A couple of uh, a couple of stories that didn't make the cut this week. Um, we have a British man identifying a, uh, a milk thief, thief as a wild fox. I'm wondering, do you think a millennial fox would prefer almond or oat milk to a creamy top. I mean, I wonder if you could actually uh, train foxes to go vegan, uh, or maybe uh, foxes could be trained to prefer a sort of vegan faux chicken's head. Yes, we have some more uh, fireside ghostly tales. Butler fireside tales. So this week we have a couple. The Blakeney Tunnels. According to a legend, a network of tunnels beneath the village of Blakeney in Norfolk in the UK is said to be home to an array of creatures known as Heiter Sprites, spider-like creatures. It's said fairies kidnap badly behaved children who stray onto their salt marsh, but then they return any lost children to their families. And then we have the Ghost Fiddler, the Ghost Fiddler of Binham Priory. Haunting the grounds at night is reportedly a black monk who emerges from a tunnel linking the priory to the shrine at Rolsingham, three miles away. After that part of the tunnel near Binham Priory caved in, Jimmy Griggs, a local fiddler, was the only one to go along with his dog trap. He played his fiddle as he walked through the tunnel until the music suddenly stopped. Later that night, a great storm caused the tunnel entrance to collapse and Jimmy was never seen again. His mysterious music is sometimes heard at midnight. Thank you very much, ladies and mantelpieces, for joining the podcast. Keep coming, cauliflower cheese. Chappy here this week. Uh, keep cheese on Twitter. Um, you can get me or find me on Spotify, uh, Apple, in- uh, Instagram as well. Uh, tune in and iHeartRadio, I believe. And I think Amazon Music as well actually carries a podcast. Uh, but it's been a packed show. Um, enjoy the the uh, embers of summer um, over the next uh, week or so. Um, some of you are probably heading into uh, rather sort of autumnal weather already. Um, but enjoy that, certainly. And uh, 
uh, come along to the uh, little portal we like to call Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese next week. Um, but we finish with a, a little poem that was composed by William Wordsworth upon Westminster Bridge on September the 3rd, 1802. Earth has nothing to show more fair. Dull would he be the soul who could pass by, a sight so touching in its majesty. This city now doth like a garment wear the beauty of the morning, silent, bare, ships, towers, domes, theatres and temples lie, upon onto the fields and unto the sky, all bright and glittering in the smokeless air, never did sun more beautifully sleep, in its first splendour, valley, rock or hill, ne'er I never felt a calm so deep. The river guideth at his own sweet will, dear God, the very houses seem asleep, and all the mighty heart is lying still. Cheerio, one and all.